0: Good Father, you know, I was going to tell you, uh, my brother went on to be with the Lord Friday. We sat beside him. He'd already told my other brother that his kidneys had failed and they wouldn't put him on dialysis, and he said, I'm going to go home. And as I sat there beside him, and and I knew that, and I was praying, Lord, either heal him or take him. And uh, as I watched him, just steadily louder, breathing louder and louder, and the moment he left... He's got a little great-granddaughter. She can't talk yet very good, two years old maybe, one and a half. As she's standing there, and she looks up to the ceiling, and she says, bye-bye. He's a good, good father. amen. Amen. And you know, I want to tell you, we're going to preach on divine healing And you know what? I want to tell you something. Because he didn't get healed, didn't affect me one bit. Because it's not based on our experience. It's based on the Word of God. Don't allow your experience to dictate to you what the Word says. You allow the Word of God to dictate to you what what the really truth is. And so we're going to look at divine healing because, you know, Jesus said, I've done everything for you I'm going to do. It's all free and it's yours. But don't allow unbelief and doubt to stand in the way of it. And so that's where we're going, and we're going to believe, and I'm telling you, if we have to raise them from the dead, we raise them from the dead. But if they want to go home, we let them go home. Because what? In his presence is fullness of joy, and his right hands are pleasures forevermore. Amen? Precious in the sight of the death of his saints. Better is the day of one's death than the day of his birth. That's how God looks at it. So let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. It's not a day to be upset. It's a day to rejoice because they're going on into their reality of eternal life. Amen. So we got that out of the way. Let's go on. (laughs) Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And, Lord, we just thank you for the provision you've made for us to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. Because your word says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, the God of all peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And faithful are you that called us, and you have also done it, and we're going to rejoice in the finished work. Amen, amen, amen. All right, as we start this, Brother John gave me a quotation out of Rick Joyner's book, There Were Two Trees in the Garden said, let's face it, if we had awakened this morning and had seen Jesus physically manifested standing next to our bed, do you think our day would have been a little different? Suppose he had gone along with us all day as our companion. Do you think we'd made a difference? If so, we're still not walking as we should in the truth of our continual union. Say "continual continual union. We're in abiding with him, with Christ. For if we see the spiritual reality that Christ is not only with us but in us, we will have fellowship with him every day, all day long. Our quest is not just to know who we are in Christ. It is to know him who is in us. Walking in that reality is what it means to walk in truth Our reality. You know, when it says that Christ is in us, every time it says one time that Christ is in us, there's 10 verses that tells us that we're in him. That's right. Not only is he just in us, we 10 verses says we are in him. God has placed us into Christ. We are in union with him. You know, if before I get too far carried away, I was sharing with the guys what I'd seen here in John. And it's about this continual union. Jesus said in John 15. Now, when I get something, sometimes I have to tell you before it slips away. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me. Gets the word? In me. That beareth not forth fruit, he takes it away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now look at this. Every branch in me. Do you know there's not a branch in him that's not fruitful? Come on. Now listen to this. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes it away. That word take away in the Greek is not take away. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it says he lifts it up and suspends it out of the dirt, shakes the dirt off so it can be fruitful. Now I want to tell you, there's not anything in him as our branches that needs pruning. That's right. Needs to be taken away. See that word pruning? Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he purges it, that it bring, bring forth more fruit. That word purge is not the old word of cutting away the trimming up the vine like we've preached it and all we've thought all the years. That word purge means to cleanse it. The whole word is cleanse and purify. Every branch in me, he cleanses and purifies it that will bring forth more fruit. Amen? Amen? See, that old concept that we've been raised in, he's going to take you away or cut you off if you don't produce fruit. That's not what this says because we have a good, good father. And he cares about us. And he cleanses us and washes us by the washing of the water by the word. The Holy Spirit is here to cleanse us from our old wrong thinking and all that. He doesn't cut you up or purge you or take you away. He lifts you up and suspends you in heavenly places so you can be more fruitful. Amen. Is that better for you? Yes, Lord. It's a whole lot better that we live in that union. Now look what he says. Verse 3. Now you're clean. This is the same word as purge. Come from the same root. You're clean through the words that i spoken unto you. Abide in union with me and I and you. Because a branch cannot bear fruit except it abide in me. Now, he says every branch that doesn't abide in me. See, that's the key word. Right. Every branch that's not in me, what happens to it? It shrivels up and men gather them and burn them. That's, right. that's the old thing. It's not the new thing. So don't live in fear of being cut off or, or chopped off or purged. Amen. Amen. That's good. Say he's a good, good father. Oh, that's who he is. Andrew Wommack said, God wants you well. We got a little book we're reading. Jesus used miracles of healing like a bell to draw the masses. He used healings as proof that he could forgive sin. In fact, he said miracles were a greater testimony to the fact that he was a son of God than preaching of, of John the Baptist. God uses miraculous healing to authenticate the message Jesus came. Likewise, the Lord told his followers the same works that he does, they would do also, and greater works. He said the Holy Spirit would confirm the true preaching of God's word with signs and wonders following. Believers would lay hands on the sick, and they would recover. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Same as it was. He's the same yesterday. And as I read that, it dawned on me. If Jesus was still on earth today in his physical body, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What did he do three-fourths of the time he was here? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and cast out devils. Now, as he is, so are we now. We need to see that he wants the miraculous to continue. He wants his body to be made whole. And, you know, as we look at some of the things it says there, I want to look with me here in Mark chapter 2. Isn't it exciting when we have the right focus? You know, in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, he says, He he entered into Capernaum some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much about the door, and he preached the word. What did he preach the word? He preached the word to them. I wonder what he was preaching. Oh, come on now. And there was one sick, it says, and they came bringing one sick of the palsy. He was sick of the palsy. Sometimes you got to get sick of something to get healed from it. You got to get totally sick of it before you're willing to let it go. This man was sick of the palsy, and these men that was with him were too. (laughs) And when they could not come in nine to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let him down the bed where the sick lay palsy. And Jesus saw their faith. He said to the sick of the palsy, "Son, thy sins be forgiven you." there was a certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their heart, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they said and reasoned within themselves, he said, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Therefore, he said to the man the sick of the apology, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Arise, what? Take up your bed. You know, too many times, you remember when Jesus was talking to the cripple, and he came and he healed the cripple in John chapter 5. He said, take up your bed and walk. He said, I have no man to put me in, you know. He says, take up your bed and walk. But you know Jesus found him later because he didn't know who it was. And Jesus said to him, he says, go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. Okay? He's preaching to those that were under the law, that was based on their performance. And remember the woman that taken in adultery, what did he say to her? Who's those that condemn you. I don't continue. condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right? That's right, if that were possible. But you know, there's another story in Matthew. Let's see. Let me go to the Matthew. Uh, it's, uh, no, that's not it. I want to go Mark chapter five. Woo, thank you, Lord. Now, verse twenty-one. And when Jesus, see, what am I saying? I'm saying a lot of sickness and disease under the old covenant was based on your performance. That's right. Sin and sickness you couldn't separate. That's, right. That's why Jesus said instead of saying be healed he said by sins be forgiven you. See I want to say you something. The Lord told me whenever we start seeing your sins, your sickness is just as much taken care of as your sins are. You'll start seeing more happen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes, Lord. Isaiah 53 covers sins and sickness in the whole threefold Frame of exchange. When we start seeing disease and sickness in the same light as we see our sins forgiven, they will not have a foothold in our lives anymore. Amen. He took care of all three. Amen? Amen. All right, and, and we see that. But here we see, verse 21 Jesus was passed over again to the ship to the other side, and much people gathered into him, and he was nigh to the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name. He fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And I want you to know something here. This is where we're going. This word heals is sozo. This sozo is the same whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you with me? All right. And she shall live. They already knew he had the power to heal and forgive and save and deliver. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, throned him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and it spit all she had. No better, but grew worse. When she heard that Jesus came, she pressed in and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That word is saved. That's sozo. If I can touch him, I'm going to be saved. Catch it. The word saved, it's the same word that we're saved. Healed, saved, delivered, set free. She said, I'll be whole if I can just touch him. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed. See, that's a different word. She felt that she was healed. Okay? And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him and said, in the press said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, you see the multitude in thee, and you say, who touched you? He looked round about to see who had done this thing. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and, and told him all the truth. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you saved whole, sozo. And then go in peace. And also, by the way, be healed of your disease. She got the whole enchilada, of of saints. She got it all. Now, here's the thing that hit me. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus knew who he was. See, it says in Revelation 13, 8, it says, talking about that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he says talks about those that were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. We were written in the Lamb's Book of Life that were slain from the foundation of the world. We were already there. That's right. And see, you remember what he said to Martha? He said, Martha, your brother's going to live again. Yes, I know in the resurrection he's going to live. Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. See, I want you to catch this. This woman in, was not healed because Jesus went to the cross. She wasn't healed because of what Jesus did. She was healed because who Jesus was. Amen. Catch it. He already was all those things. Yes, that's right. that's why he could heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out devil, and say, your faith has saved you. Why? Because it was faith in him. They could already be healed before. The, see, we wasn't there. Ours is based on what he did there. But you've got to see, it is he is healing. Right. Jesus is everything for you. Mm-hmm. In Christ dwells all in the fullness, and you're complete in him. They already were. He let them have all of it. I used to say he healed everybody on credit. No, that's not the truth. That's right. He was healing. He was deliverance. He was everything. Right. It was already there from the foundation of the world. He took care of that. And you start seeing that. that, that you know what? It just kind of blew me away for a minute when I realized, no, he already was those things. He already is. That's why we live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith we live by. It's his life we live by. That's why being in union with him is a whole new realm. It's letting him live his life and we live our life in him and and he in us. Because he already was all of those things. In Romans, I don't know if I'm getting out there or not, but y'all drag me back if I do. But you know, in John 17, Oh if I'm out there, just let me go a little further, because I like it. John 17, Jesus lifted his, the Lord's, really the Lord's prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you, as you have given him power over all flesh, That you should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Oh, this is eternal life. Eternal life. You know, I've got Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 written there. I wonder what that says. I bet it says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glory glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness and righteousness and judgment in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Amen. Don't be glory in anything apart from him. That he should give eternal life. You know what eternal life means? You've got to catch this. Jesus was already eternal life. I'm come that you might have life and have it eternally. Eternal life by the Thayer Says it's without beginning and without end. That which always has been and always will be. It's the God kind of love, not affected by the limitations of time. See, God has given us in Christ, we have the very life, eternal life now, not someday. You have that's not subject to time before, now, or after. It's eternal, without end is the kind of life we have in Christ. Because he is our life. Would that change things if we, for a moment, moved out of this time-space world where we're consumed by our clocks and what's going on around, and we realize that we are living our eternal life now while we're here? It's forever. You know, Gary didn't die. He just slipped over into reality of eternal life. He didn't die. Jesus said, He that believeth in me will never die. He has the keys of death and hell. Who has the keys of death? For as much then as Christ was made partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. He destroyed him. That didn't mean annihilated. I wish it had in the Greek He rendered him ineffective, him that had the power of death. And he has the keys of death and hell now. Satan doesn't have them. I know he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to tell you something. All he can do is destroy this old temple that ain't going to amount to anything anyhow. Because why? In the moment of twinkling of an eye, we're going to have a new body. Made like to his glorious body. And it's going to be a change. And this old corruptible body will be exchanged for a new incorruptible body. That's quite a deal. Mine's going to have hair. <laughs> May even have a flat top again. I don't know. You know in Titus 1.3 it says, <laughs> It says, Resting, Now catch this in Titus 1.3. Resting in the hope of eternal life, that God who cannot lie, promised before time began. Before what? Time began. We're not subject to time. We're in the eternal realm that has neither beginning nor end. It's perpetual; it goes on for ever, for on and on. In Romans chapter five, this is liberating stuff. I often wondered how you know, and I looked up those words. That woman, she just said, if I can just touch him, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to set free. And how many times did I get, good master, what must I do that I might have eternal life? So they were preaching what kind of life? Eternal Eternal life. And what did Jesus say? Believe in me. And you'll have eternal life. That was before he went to the cross, saints. Why do we want to limit everything to those three frames of exchange? That's good for us now, but he offered it long before he went there because he was the three frames of exchange. They could have it right now. I'm come. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me, but you will not come to me that you might have life because he is the life. That's incredible. That's incredible. He already was alive. In Romans chapter 5. Oh. Therefore, being justified by faith, verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, rejoicing in the hope and the glory of God. And not only so, but and we glory in tribulations, knowing something. Knowing that tribulations work in patience, patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the yes, Holy Ghost. Right. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for them. Undu- what does it say? In due time. It was a time appointed. He said to the Father, I finished the work you gave me to do, and the work you gave me was all these men, and they have kept your word. I finished that work. Now he says, you keep them. Okay, I finished the work in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Preadventure for a good men, some would dare to die. But God commended his love toward us. A good, good father. That in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come through what? Him. For if we were, while we were enemies, we were reconciled. What's the word? Exchange. Exchange. Go ahead. It's okay to say exchange. To God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not just what he did, who he is. His salvation was him. I think too much of the time we want to look at the cross and say, because of the cross, that's what he did. It's why we are who we are. No, he did that. Okay. The garden, the whipping post and the cross, but was saved by his life before he ever went there. It's more than just what he did. It's who he is. That's who he is. We sing the song, that's who he is. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And we're loved by him. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled now, we shall be saved by his what? Life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement. The little word atonement, exchange. That's the only second time it's used in the scriptures. Exchange. In the Old Testament, the word atonement means to cover. In the New Testament, it means exchanged. I thought Kent was going to come preach. It means exchanged. We have received the exchange exchange what he's done amen Amen. you know we, we look at those scriptures and while we're here in Romans I want you to think about this in Romans 8 30 let's see verse 31 and what shall we say to these things if God be for us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how, I mean, think about it. He delivered him up before us, uh, for us all before time ever began. The Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, before he ever created anything. Like Wayne said, he said he took care of the problem before we ever came on the scene. He took care of our past so we could enjoy our future. He took care of our past before we ever were born so we could live in the future. How does all that settle through in your brain so we could have a future? Where was I at? Man. Romans 8. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elite? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. I want you to say I'm persuaded. See, that deals with unbelief. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know one thing missing there? Your past. Your past can't separate you either. The past is what the enemy wants to pull you back into every time something happens. Amen. He wants to pull you back into past thinking. But see, the past can't do that. He didn't mention past because he said what? Remember not the former things. That's right. Neither consider the things of old. Romans 40, Isaiah 43. It says don't remember the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, Second Corinthians 5:17. You know, I, I was praying for my brother and all and for the family, and I was praying, and, and I was really just locking in praying, and all of a sudden, I remembered our childhood, and I considered the childhood, and I broke. Why? because all those emotions come back in. See, that's why sometimes if you be risen to Christ, set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. That sets your mind on things above. Not that those things were bad, but see, when you allow your mind to move back into the former things and remember the former things and start considering the things of old, that's where doubt and unbelief and all this stuff start coming in. We bring into captivity what? Every. Every thought. See, right now, I'm not going to allow my mind to go back to the former things or consider those former things. Why? Because that's not who he is anymore. That's not what Gary is anymore. Gary is enjoying his life with his heavenly father and his mother and dad and his brother and all these other people. See, set your mind. You got a new mind. You got an old mind. Don't allow it to tell you what to think. You tell it what you want to think. And you're going to think what? whatsoever is good and lovely and good report. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You've got a choice. You'll always have a choice. And there'll always be a battle right between these ears of which mind you want to listen to. You have two minds, an old one and a new one, but you have a one brain. Right. You program that brain to think you want the way you want it to. Amen. You bring into captivity, not some thoughts, every thought to the through Christ. Amen. That's your battleground right there. Who can separate us? Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. You know what's so interesting? The woman that's had an issue of blood, and Jesus says you're whole. Now he said to the cripple, he said to the woman taken in adultery, go and sin no more. Come on. You know, a worst thing can come up if you keep on sinning. Because they were living in sin because he was sent to those under the law to redeem them that were under the law. But the woman with the issue of blood, he said, woman, your faith has saved you. Amen. He didn't tell her not to go sin anymore. That's right. Why? Because she'd been she got the whole enchilada. Right. He took her, her sins once forever. Amen. Past, present, and future. She entered into eternal life. See, when you've entered into eternal life, eternal life is life forever. Well, pastor, you're saying I can't sin? Oh, yeah, you can. not But your new man can't. Right. You have to go back to who you were, not who you are. Because that which is born of God cannot sin because his seed remains in you and you cannot sin. You have a choice. Why would you ever want to go back there? Amen. And if you ever find yourself there, just don't stay there long. Give me an amen. 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 So we've got to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you, that's Colossians 3. If you be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, say, who is my life? Listen, Christ is your life and you're in union with him. You'll always be in union with him. There's no way to get out of him. You're in him. You're in union with him. So we've got to start seeing ourselves. In Him is life, life abundantly. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. That means you're coming back with Him because you're already seated in Him in heavenly places. And so when He comes back, you're going to come back and get the rest of yourself. Come on, <laughs> amen. You like that? So you're already with Him up there, but you're down here. He's in you, and you're in Him. How does all that work? I don't have a clue. But does. It doesn't affect what I believe. It's all true. How many of you are really excited about thinking a new way and living a new life and walking in the newness and the fullness of him? I'm telling you, it's so exciting. I I thought that little girl, there she is. Precious little girl that got to see her grandpa leave. Why couldn't all us older people see that? Too much junk. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Bye, Papa. That's exciting. So how can I be sad? How can I be upset? Amen. See? That's what we all, listen. We, I told General when we left, you know, once, once he left, and I knew where he was at, it was, for me it was over. It was over. Now, most of the world doesn't look at death like we do. Amen. And we should look at death as, as an enemy that Jesus took care of. And we are no longer under the fear of death. On, right. Death has no more dominion over you. The fear of death should not be a factor in our lives. That's right. Anymore. Amen? Because he's got the keys of death and hell. Woo! Glory. Well, I'm going to stop there. It's a good stopping point. But he's a good, good father. Well, Stand. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. and The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lifts up his countenance on you and gives you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.